Hi everyone, welcome to the Failed Rockstar Club podcast. Come on! Podcast that talks about music, mental health and fashion. <laughs> That's good, that might be your best one yet. There you go. Certainly your most enthusiastic. Yeah. Well, I, I've got good reason to be enthusiastic. You have, you have. Um, got a ruddy special guest. Yeah, we have a special, special guest. Um... So I think let's. Um, so who who do we have? Oh, actually, just before we start, can you remind the good general public of people of Russia um, who we are, how you can find us, and all that stuff? I forgot. Sure, so many so many questions. I should be good at this these days, right? Well, so hello, I'm Jeremy Peter Dixon, uh, and you are Stephen Robert Hurdle, BA Honours, uh, and we're here at the the new section of our shop. We've never recorded in this the extended bit. Usually we do it in the old mm. the old bit. Good Look, acoustics out the street. Yeah. It's nice. You can probably tell. Keen, keen-eared listeners will know it's a uh, different room, won't they? Ooh. I imagine we'll get some emails about that from Russia. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, we're in our shop. Best days vintage uh, in Colchester. Uh, any any other business? Uh, what, what what would you say Colchester is like? Oh oh yeah, that's what I do, isn't it? Mm. Uh, well, I mean, it's very much the New Orleans oh. of East Anglia. In that it's, it's a big jazz scene, and it's very it's very windy <laughs> right now. Okay, um, and who do we have a, as a guest, my friend? Uh, well, we've got the beautiful and lovely Zach Fox, who is <coughs> old friend and just lovely person, but also very important person in the music industry, which is. Why we've got you on? I mean, we'd have had you on just as a friend, but you've yeah, got. Yeah, but the chat might have more been about what we had for tea last night. Yeah, well, exactly. Like which yeah. is, I mean, our listeners would want to know. Yeah. But you can bring some insight into the sort of changing world of live music. That's what that's what we're hoping. We um we we spoke to you. Well, we got a little um a well a bloody essay actually. Um, <laughs> only asked for a paragraph, just to be clear. Um, it's a very long paragraph. Yeah. Uh, the twenty. Yeah, you were very far on the twenty second of May. This uh, basically a year ago, wasn't it? When we when we had a, a podcast about the future of music festivals. Is that when Lee was? Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when Lee came on, wasn't he, and mm. spoke about um, from his point of view, wasn't it? Mm. Um, so I want to go over that at some point to see how you feel one year on about festivals, music industry, and where we are at the moment with the industry. And just the, that world of music. But before we start, I've got a question for you both. Ooh. Okay. If I'll ask Jess first, so I'll give you time to think, Zach. Okay, thank you. If you could be friends with one member of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, <laughs> which member of the Red Hot Chili Peppers Ooh. would you be friends with, and why? That's a good question. Now, you're assuming that I know all the members of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yes, and I would be right to assume that. Well, you would I don't be. know who the current guitarist is, because they have an ever-changing roster of guitarists. Okay. But Chad is the drummer. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with him. Is it Chad Smith? I feel like it's Chad Smith. The drummer. I'm not usually a drummer's guy, but he seems like a, he would be a barrel of laughs. And I think he's like the sort of original funkster, put it all together. I think he's one of the drummers who's a key... You know, some drummers are just, you know, peripheral. Yeah. He's. I quite like it when a drummer is a main, a main man. He's a main guy, and I couldn't pick Flea because of the teddy bear trousers and his stage moves. And Ke- I'm not sure about Keyless. So I've read his uh, biography, and there's some, you know, Dark. some 
Issues. <laughs> you got some issues. <laughs> I got some issues. Yeah, which I won't cover here. But it's more sort of process of elimination, really. But I'm going to go with Chad. Okay. Interesting. Zach. I mean, this is where the first clang happens because I've toured with the Red Hot Chili Peppers Ooh. on more than one occasion. Oh, um, oh, see, this is so the I can name all of them and I can talk about them as people because I have met and conversed and, and been in, obviously we haven't hung out, but they're, you know, they're A-listers, but I have been in the same room as them many, many, many times. Wow. And I um, obviously have to protect my reputation and career as well. While I'm, so I won't say some things, but um, I wouldn't recommend Anthony Kiedis's book for a start because his issues he has aren't ones that you can learn from, I feel. Yeah. Um, but my, I would pick Flake because he's just a hoot and he's always got something else happening next. So it's definitely not dull. Good choice, to be fair. Chad, Chad is a good choice, though. Chad is a good okay, choice. The previous, um, <laughs> I was worried you were going to say something. Like Josh was a, was a right laugh as well, because he was only there for a quite short amount of time, and yeah. I, he, he enjoyed it a lot, that, those few years ago. <laughs> sure, I bet he did. Do you have an opinion about rock stars that take their shirt off when they're on stage? <laughs> Not a strong opinion, no. I, be- you know, I believe in artistic, creative freedom <laughs> and expression. <laughs> We're, we're very much anti it, yeah. famously. Mm. It makes me worry. I do feel sorry for the wardrobe people, though. It's like, oh, I like, just got you just right, and now you're taking it all off again. Yeah. Well, famously, they're the socks socks on the cocks phase as well. Yeah. yeah. Not even bottoms. Is that on stage? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. Much, much easier to get the laundry done when you're on tour and you're only wearing a sock. <laughs> That's true. They're all the same colour as well, and no but, worries about mixing. Yeah, but do be thorough when you wash the sock. Yeah. Hygiene reasons. <laughs> yeah. Not a job of sort. The sock no. washing. I I also opted for Chad. You Chad? I, I, because I I saw him do a thing with Will Ferrell once that drum yeah. that drum off thing, and I thought. And he looks like Will Ferrell. As lovely well. stuff. Yeah, yeah, lovely he sense of humour. Scary like Will Ferrell, isn't he? It? It's quite yeah. uncanny. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, and they both were dressed exactly the same way, and it was good fun to watch that. And I thought, yeah, lovely stuff, Chad Smith. Yeah. Carry on. You're doing a good job. Okay, so um, so the, the good people um, of our podcast will get to know you a little bit, Zach. We've got a game. I don't know if you've heard of this game or not. It's called This or That. I have heard of that game. Okay. So you're not. I you're like here. the lack of clarification. I should have I should comment, you know, make, let everyone know that I am indeed a long term listener and first time <laughs> caller. And uh, I have been looking forward to this and that game, and I really enjoy the lack of clarification on it. So good. let's go for it. Well, let's be honest. Uh, you'll be aware then that there's no the other. <laughs> One or the other. So like this a, or that. I'm okay with that. I like a rule. Don't throw... Oh, yeah, exactly. Rules control the fun. Yes. Exactly. Okay. <clears throat> Festivals or gigs? Festivals. Metal or indie? Metal. Motorbike or pushbike? Motorbike. Oh. So I've tailored this towards you. Yeah, the answers to all of these. Tent or hotel? Oh, that's a tough one. Thank you very much. I think they both they both have awesome things about them. But I'm going to go. I've had more fun in a tent than I have in a hotel ever. So I'm going to go with tent. Okay. Wrong answer, but okay. (laughs) Each their own. Singers or drummers? Oh, singers. The leg or the breast? <laughs> the leg. Oh, wrong, wrong choice again. That was, obvious, that was obviously chicken-based. Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, I think we can all make a mind of what that was based on. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> okay, so this episode, I don't know what we should call this episode. I've called it, I penciled it in to say the Zach Fox episode. I think that's a good, <laughs> that's a good name. <laughs> it's your name. I have the title, I think it yeah. tells you what it is. So, um, we obviously are good friends. Um, can you remember how we first met? I remember the moment precisely, actually. I, mean, I was thinking about this the day. I even remember what you were all wearing. So it was, I can't tell you the name of the pub, but it was in a pub in Bristol. And uh, you all had leather jackets on, every single <laughs> bloody one of you. For a second, I thought you were going to say leather trousers. <laughs> you had a sock on. That, uh, yeah, and you were, I think you were just kind of hanging out in this pub and I'd been brought in to um, help tour manage you. And so that's where we met. And it was really weird because I really sort of thought, at the time, I thought, you guys really knew what you were doing. And I've since learned it was all an act, wasn't it? You look brilliant. Of course you were. So, how did you, I don't want to talk about us, but I thought it was a nice way to kind of start. You were like tour managing us, right? That's how we first met. And you probably did, what, two weeks with us? Yeah, I think it felt like, I think it was 10 shows over two weeks, wasn't it? It felt like something like that, wasn't it? It felt longer. Yeah, it definitely did feel like we went a long way. Did were you at the time? Because that was the first time we ever met you. Were you already working in the industry, or how did were you kind of early on in your career as well at that point? Because that's like fifteen years. No, I've I've been working in the industry for twenty six years now. I I took a job as um, a maternity cover receptionist at a company called MCP that was in Walsall. Uh, just because my friend was working there at the time and it sounded like a right laugh for six months. And at the end of that six months, I just fitted in well, so they kept me. When she came back, I then just made tea and bought the boss's fags around the corner and, you know, filed. And then then eventually I ended up getting a job and someone left and I got another job and I got another job and then I ended up doing what I'm doing now. So yeah, I actually have never tour managed a single band in my life except for you guys because I never did tour management. That was the one job I didn't do. Well, did I can't put you off it. So, did it put you off yeah, it? Yeah, I've, I've never had to deal with the artist before. I mean, blimey, <laughs> and I'd rather avoid that as much as I can, quite frankly. So were you like work? Were you just had? Did you just have some time off then at the time? Because I can't remember how it kind of came about through Jay. Obviously, but... I was freelance at the time. Okay. Yeah, I did. Um, I spent about two years freelancing before I ended up back with my original boss doing what I'm doing now, that was like 13 years ago. So I just planned it into my, my schedule. So what is it that you're doing now? What's what's your role in the industry? Well, I've got a really, I've got a really fancy title now. I am the Group what? Chief Operating Officer for Kilimanjaro Group. So my main job now is to make sure our company works, so it all, it's all well-resourced and we're doing, you know, everyone's doing the right thing at the right time and the right, everyone's happy and feeling fulfilled and rewarded and all that stuff. But then I still have a, a hand in what I was doing most recently, which was delivering our, uh, our big gigs, the stadiums and the, the festivals and the green fields and stuff. Whereas I spent the last five years teaching somebody else how to do that. So he's mainly doing it now. So I'm just kind of overseeing it to make sure the transition goes to plan. And I just push paper. Are you, like, is that you sound like you're doing a lot more human resource stuff now. Yeah, I mean, we Kilimanjaro have always been a company where the company culture is one of the most important things about us. We decided on day one that we were we were going to be the, the good guys. You know, we were going to be we, we're promoters, and everyone hates promoters. And we were determined that that's not how we would behave. That we've always behaved honourably, and we have. And we've stuck at it for thirteen years now, and um, and we want everyone that works there to feel 
God, I found like I'm stuck and advertising. I've got no jobs going at the moment, so don't even think about it. But I would, you know, we want everyone to feel like they've come to work for the right place every day when they because it's a hard, it's hard work car industry. It takes a lot out of you. It takes your life over pretty much. So if you don't get something out of it, if you're miserable, then it's not worth it for anyone. Well, yeah, I, I do look after the folk. Because before we we started this, we us two, we had a conversation, didn't we? And I, I was like looking at where my or well, my future was going to be going, and yeah, we spoke about we in a pub. Yeah, it was a good, was a good night. <laughs> and I, I went. I decided that I can do it because of the commitments involved, phys- like time-wise and mentally, with yeah. being away and with Slavka and stuff like that. And I was like, I just, I just decided I just couldn't. Ha- I wouldn't be able to handle it, like being away from her for so long. And I fully appreciate that it's such a huge commitment on your. It's like a life, isn't it? It's basically when so is this, but it's like we're always in one place. But yeah. you get to go my gigs are never where I live yeah so you know when I did when I've been out you know you know small clang is coming now when I did the um uh the stadium tour with Ed Sheeran I was I was I didn't go home for nearly two months yeah and, that... and I worked every single day of that two months there was no days off at all no weekends or the weekends of the show days they're even worse than the weekdays you know it's flat out there's no time for anyone and that is the kind of the price you pay for that sort of job I think isn't yeah it? How, do you, how do you deal with that with the not going home <clears throat> aspect of the job um i suppose well, it's always how it's been helpful that i've been single for so many years because there's nobody waiting for me nobody doing stuff i wish i was doing I, used, I my family always used to send me the the um you know the invitations for a sunday roast knowing i was never going to get there in a million years but just say you would have been welcome had you yeah. been in town and sometimes yeah. i feel a bit wrong oh. but because you're kind of moving on from one thing to another you know the sh- putting a show on is like the there's nothing better than opening the doors and just and then seeing everyone singing their heads. I mean, I don't care who's on the stage. Most of the time, I don't even like who's on the stage, but it doesn't matter because the people who have bought the tickets really, really do like them. So watching them just having like the day they're going to remember for the rest of their lives, and that we put that together, it's it be you know it beats. It. And I like I like working hard, and I like seeing the results of it. I like being bone tired. I mean, not forever, but if you can get to a point where a month in, you're like, now I'm going to need a day off to have a sleep. It's brilliant. It's better than. Then like, no, obviously I haven't done any of this now for so long, and uh, I, you know, I find it hard to sleep at night now because I'm just not tired enough, and I think I need to work out how to get exhausted again. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> if, that, if that's if that's what you know, if the, and it doesn't work for everyone. We've had interns that come through our company, and they always come and spend a bit of time out on the road with us. And not everyone can do it; it's just yeah. not for them. Some people, you know, one, mm. one poor lad, he lost he lost the radio on day two. You know, those things are worth hundreds and hundreds of pounds. He's like, I have no idea where we put it. Whereas, you know, everybody else, if you can still be sharp at three in the morning when you've been working since six the day before, you know, it's yeah. it's that's it suits you. Then, if it suits you, you're happy. If it's if it doesn't suit you, you're really not. Yeah. Mm. And it's, it's a huge commitment. It's, it's just a bit like being, being in a band, being on the road, I guess, because yeah. you haven't got much kids. responsibility. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I could hack it anymore. I don't know if I'd be able to do it anymore. I'm too much well, that's one, that's one of my reasons my job's changed, Steve, because yeah. that's kind of where I am. You know, I, had a, I had a partial knee replacement a couple of years ago and spent the entire summer whizzing around fields on a mobility scooter because I just couldn't walk anywhere because I'd only had my knee done like two months before. And, and it just it does take it out of me now. Do you, do you um, think it's, it's partly that? And partly, I'd like to go to the pub on a weekend in the summer with yeah. my, you know, with my friends, or go on holiday when other other people go on holiday, not just you know in October. So a bit of inside, just wanting to step back from it. And when I can see that the lad, the guy that's been working with me the last five years, is really starting to, you know, he could do it. Yeah. So I was like, why am I still doing this? I could yeah. be doing something different now, and something that might it'll still add value to the company. Do you, do you think it has an effect then on your? personal life when it comes to like relationships and that sort of stuff right does well i you know i have no idea 
if I've been single for 13 years because of my job or if my job only works because I've been single for 13 years and there's no way I can find that out. Well, that was the kind of quandary that I had because I just knew what it was going to take and I was like, I would just decided that it was more important to be like with Slavka as it was but mm. I do sometimes I do sometimes look back on it and think oh like that's a, sp- a sliding doors moment for me I guess but I opted to, we opted to do I opted to kind of do this instead and it's, it's much equally more as, financially rewarding <laughs> but it's, e- <laughs> it's equally challenging mentally and like have endurance wise I guess but, but in a different in a way totally different way yeah yeah we're stuck in one place <clears throat> but we still have uh Mental health issues because of the because of the, just the constant what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, just, just the relentlessness of it. The bigger problem I've had this last year, and I know it's not just me, is that we, you know, everything we do ends. So it doesn't matter how good it is or how bad it is. There's a day in the diary when it's going to mm. be done, yeah. and then we don't talk about it again for years. Sometimes, you know, we'll laugh. Do you remember? We haven't said that word. I mean, there was one word we all used for a while, which was like the worst thing we'd done. And every time something word, oh. But we realised that no one said that word in like five years. It doesn't matter. It's gone. Whereas, suppose what you're doing is very repetitive. You just yep. you sell that t-shirt. You put that t-shirt in the same space. You sell that one. You put you know. I don't yep. think that would suit me at all. The difference, I suppose, is that yeah, it's is that you don't actually sell the t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just this looking at the same t-shirt every day. It's like yeah, it's we well, say. We are, you know, I'm organising gigs that nobody's going to because we just yeah. keep moving them to another date. Yeah. It's never, nothing's actually happening. We've got a record-breaking number of shows on sale at the moment. We've never had this many. I've been going to see the Mystery Jets now for the same gig for about <laughs> two years, or it feels like. I reckon we've it's been rescheduled now like five times. At the beginning, I've got an issue. I have no idea my Romesh Ranganathan tickets are. No idea at all. I should have gone to that show years ago, yeah. and it's, it's now next April. I have no, I've moved house twice since then. God yeah. knows, I'm never going to get to that show. <laughs> uh, and I, it's a firmly printed ticket anyway, so I was a bit worried about its longevity, quite frankly. <laughs> um, you were... I know you, you were voted in the Music Week, right, as basically the best woman in the whole of music industry. <laughs> Yeah, I'm that's the sure title that's you should have said. Yeah, I was inducted might... into the into the role of honour. That's why. That's what I took out of it. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't like to kind of go over it too much, but do you think it's hard in this industry being a female? Or is I it... well, know it is. It is. Yeah, and it's it's one of those places where you can spot the women because they do great because they've had to. They've had, you know only the ones the top of the the list really get through, so they're all good. Yeah. And why, it's, why, it's, it's a shame, really. Because of the chauvinisticness of the industry, or is, is it a classic yeah, I mean, glass ceiling? It, 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 or? You know, yes, but it has massively changed. The last 10 years, it's a remarkable shift. And I think a lot of it is because some of the, the, the older elements of the industry are maybe just coming off the road, and the, the, the newer, younger people, in it, they, they don't have the same attitude at all. And it, you know, there's a lot of tours now that know and can see that if you have some women on the tour it changes the dynamic to a much ple- more pleasant place to be yeah. so the, you know the, the problem we the, the most the problem now is the lack of sort of um, visibility i think of, of what females doing jobs which is something i've tried to work on changing because if you you know and I go and talk to um, university sometimes doing guest lecturers and, and the women just they don't see that this is something that's for them. And, you know, it's, re- it's really frustrating sometimes. So, yeah, I started this, well, me and my friend Sarah started this um, a network called the Network of Women in Events. Um, that's got to be maybe eight years or so ago now because we just got fed up with 
all the award ceremonies, it's always men. I don't know, wall to wall men apart from the catering assistant award and the production assistant award. And one year, a woman who runs who run major festivals at the time was nominated for the production assistant award because they obviously wanted to give her something, but they couldn't think of an award for her. And it was it was insulting. And in the end, the magazine of the awards ceremony awards had to give her a full page to her to like basically have a rant because she couldn't believe they'd even put that through. And it was outrageous, really. So anyway. Um, the whole point of NARI was to try and get some women who did all these different jobs more visible and on panels at conferences and that sort of thing. And it's been great, actually. It's been great just seeing that we had a, a, a female sound engineer gave us all a big lesson on how to, what the knobs all did when you twiddle them, you know. Which sometimes, one of the worst things about being female is if you ask a question, the, you, you get this sort of attitude that you're only asking because you're a girl and you've got no idea whether it's just you just don't know that no one's told you that yet so it gave, it gave somewhere for a lot of uh, particularly the younger women to say what does that mean how does that work and now they can walk into a room and knowledgeably know what somebody says when when they play white noise they know why they're playing white noise and because you can't you can't ask the questions that's one of the the most difficult things you have to look like you know what you're doing all the time and is that just in general or just being a lady because i think that's probably how i would feel a bit as well like faking it and like shitting my pants about looking like a knobhead <laughs> Yeah, well, I, mean, I can't obviously speak from the perspective of, of being yeah, of a guy in the industry, and I'm sure it is hard up um, lower down, but I don't know whether, and I don't, you know, I don't want to make assumptions on how pe- people's motivations, but a lot of the time I think that there is a threat from women because we are generally better. And I'm <laughs> probably going to get absolutely tanked for this, but when they get through, they are, you know, they're, they, they're good. And, and I think there's a, lot of, there's a lot of very mediocre men that can make it just yeah. because they just keep their mouths shut and carry on. But you, know, you have to be good to be a woman to get through. So that's that's where I think there's an imbalance starts and it gets a bit threatening. But things are cha- you feel like things are changing in regards oh, to... Oh, definitely. Absolutely, definitely, yeah. I mean, one that, you know, my name has always been incredibly handy to me because when, particularly when I'm working with the big American bands, they only see me on email for a good six months before we then start actually talking or I go over to meet them wherever they are. And so they think I'm a guy. And by the time they find out I'm not, they're comfortable that I know what I'm talking about and it's all okay. But I've had those moments where... You know, there was, there was one guy once I bumped into him at a festival backstage. He said, oh, you were here last year, weren't you? And I was like, yes. And he was like, oh, it's box office, wasn't it? And I was like, no, no, no. And he was like, oh, catering. You're in catering. And I said, no. And he just stared at me. And I said, you run out of jobs for women on the festival? And he was like, uh. I said, what do you do? I said, I'm, I'm the festival director. He went, oh, shit, you are, aren't you? Oh. And it was just so funny because he was like, uh, girl. Oh, no, lost it. But I don't think that's not the case. And there were so many particularly independent festivals so many of them are run by women now it just changes the dynamic changes the the culture completely so it, it is changing for the better most definitely well we spoke about it we had um helen on last week talking about what she, how she felt being in a band with a bunch of old stinky boys and we felt mm. like it it can did it change the dynamic do you think with helen was joined i think at first it did yeah, yeah. we were all on our best behavior probably mm. trying to impress her but I think by, you know, a couple of months in, she was just one of the... Just one of the team. Yeah, yeah. one of the guys. One of the, the people, guys. and that's the worst yeah. because you have to be one of the boys a lot of the time to fit in, and that's not right either. There's yeah. got to be a... You haven't yeah. got to be on your best... Because we haven't, I've seen a band actually turn down a really good tour manager because she was female, and so we're not taking our mother on tour with us. And I'm like, you're crazy. Actually, that one's a party animal. You, know? yeah. you made a big mistake there. She could have shown you all sorts. But there is, you know, it should just be a natural dynamic. It doesn't have to be yeah. either you've got to either behave better or she's got to be one of the boys to fit in. It's kind of why I feel a bit weird about asking those questions sometimes, because even by asking those questions, you're making it a thing. When it's yeah. it's almost like you just but it is a thing you can't yeah. avoid it. I I know and it's weird because it's almost like you shouldn't. 
part of me is like, do I even want to ask those questions? Because it's like it shouldn't be a thing to ask. It's just, it just should be a normal, uh, a normal, not totally normal. But I mean, yeah, that's right. It is yeah. an issue. We we as men have to just acknowledge our privilege. I think that's what. Yeah. That's the healthy. I think, thing I think to that's do. exactly. I think yeah. yeah, it's and I think if more people did just acknowledge that they might have got there a little bit easier, yeah, then it would be a it would be an easier place to be. What do you think about? Uh, the lack of female artists on, on festival lineups these days. That's I think it's all connected. I think it's all connected because, you know, if you think back to the little venues when you go into the toilet, the toilet tour, you know, if you walk in there and you're a girl in a band and you're, you're faced with the male tech and the male venue manager and the male bar and you just, maybe it's just not a comfortable place to be. And if you're more, you know, you're a band full of girls and you turn up, you know, I've got a friend who is, um, she was in a band that was three women and she's had people get up on stage and rearrange where they're set up. And they're like, you know, well, what, this is how we want it. No, this is, this is wrong. And there's just this, you know, it's not, it's not an easy place for a 17, 18 year old girl to just feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. So maybe that puts them off getting in the back of the van and driving around the country with their guitars, you know, and they, they end up thinking this isn't for them. It's actually something they should be watching rather than doing. And I think I think it's a real shame. Yeah. We've got to start. We've got to get the women techs in the venues so that they're the ones setting up the kit for them and yeah. showing them how to just get the bar down for their you know their backdrops. All those sorts of just make it different from the start, and then they might feel more comfortable carrying on long enough to have a career out of it. Yeah, that's a good, very good point. And do you think it's coming from the root then, like i.e. that the train that people aren't coming into the training to kind of even get themselves up and running? So if you're like looking for, I don't know, you're looking for a sound person, and the only people that apply are males or something, you're like, well. I well, and I do, th I do think there is, and I don't know where this comes from. You know, I, I think about the differences between the the clear genders quite a lot. So, do I like things because I'm a girl, or do I like them because I like them? And and I think that the the sort of nerdiness that you get from somebody who's really into sound or really into lighting or those sort of things doesn't seem to come that often in in women so whether whether we just don't do nerding very well or we're just or we're socially forced into not nerding whereas yeah. boys it's fine to sit in your bedroom and never come out or wash just play the guitar all the time you know yeah. so i think there's, there's a you know you're missing those those girls going up to the venue manager saying can i just come and push some boxes for you and see what happens whereas the boys are doing it and that's yeah. their first step you know then they'll meet they'll meet a band maybe and go off around the world with them. It's almost like a confidence thing, isn't it, really? Again, like you say, male privilege about just it's perfectly natural for them to be able to do that. And yeah, you know, we're, we're talking at the moment about whether we can walk home from the pub, yeah. let, alone, you know, let alone walk into a venue with a bunch of blokes and say, can I work here, please? Yeah. What do, you, what do you think the biggest skill is you need for your job? You just need to be able to organize I just I could organize and I, my whole life I've been organizing it's just about knowing what you need and where you get it from and getting it all there at the right time and that's all I do I just organize very big parties that's all it is I know I know what's needed how much it's going to cost me and where to get it from that's I mean that's the that's basically the you haven't changed that stance because that's exactly the same thing you said to me when I first met you mm. all that time ago you just said I'm just really good at organizing things don't worry about it. Yeah. Was that was that always like innate in you? Did you was that a skill yeah. you learned? No, I, or you I just was, a natural yeah, organizer. I raised money for the old folks' homes when I was at primary school. You know, I was off buying oh. the kit. You know, worked out what the budget was, how much I was wanted to raise, and how much I could spend of the raffle money on the pens that I was giving away. You know, I was all I was always me. I've always done stuff like that. Hmm. I'm, a right, I'm a right busy you. body. <laughs> no, I've never, I hate the idea of hosting. It stresses me out. Yeah. And all I take organising, hosting, 
a party. No, thank you. I want to turn up everything be perfect and just get wasted. Thanks very much. <laughs> so you, you do want to start thinking, well, I've got to make sure I've got the gin for Tim yeah. and, well, yeah, exactly. and the Tim. IPA for Brian. Tim. Yeah. No, I don't <laughs> want to think about that. And because I, I I'm just a warrior. I'd worry too much. When I'm, if I am on the rare occasion I'm hosting, I'm too busy worrying about everyone having a good time to enjoy it myself, and that. That's why it becomes a job. Me out. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Did you? I mean, you that, get that? that was me as well. You know, if you remember, you remember Jane Josie's wedding, where she kind of put me a little bit in charge of um, just making sure the candles were lit and everyone was in the right place at the right time. And I don't think I had a drink until about eight o'clock that night, but I was having fun. So you know, I was quite happy whizzing around, making sure everything was perfect. Quite enjoyed myself. Do you, are you able to, at like the big gigs that you put on, are you able to sort of switch off at a point where you think, yeah, this, everything's gone well, everyone's in the venue, it sounds great, the lights are working. Are you able to sort of enjoy it from that set or are you still kind of worrying about uh, the next? I'm, uh, I'm kind of, re- I'm always ready. I'm always ready for something to happen. And because, you know, the reality is I love it when things go wrong. <laughs> I mean, not drastically, people are dead wrong, but things are just a bit wrong. That's when it all gets really exciting, because if it all goes to plan, then it's actually a bit dull. Um, but there's, there's, a, there's a period up to when the doors open where yeah, it's all TV. very frantic. So it's like, you know, we've got lists and lists and lists, and it's radio, radio, radio. Have you put that fence up? Report back when you've, you know, it's all like, then we're ready for doors. I hate being late for doors, but I'm a very punctual person. So the doors are open, everyone's coming in. So then you're just seeing how... How the audience use the space that you've built? Is there a problem with any of it? Are they having trouble getting round there? Is the queue too big there? Shift the bar over, you know, all that sort of stuff. Particularly, it rains. Oh, brilliant. It rains. Let's move the entrance. Let's move the entrance again, you know, to do all that sort of stuff. And then when the headliner goes on stage, that I usually then go to the stage and I'll find myself a flight case to sit on because um, I love watching the audience then just kind of keep an eye on the first few rows to make sure everything's looks okay because you can always tell if something's going a bit amiss just by how they're all behaving yeah. um, but normally I can sit there for the whole of the headline performance watching you know the headline will be sat on the stage next to me and I'll be able to be out of sight watching the audience and I'll have the radios blah 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 listen to what's going on and then like start counting down the last few songs got the set list in my pocket yeah. but that's actually the calmest part of it and usually once somebody who's working with me will bring me a cup of tea at some point one year the, uh, the lady who was working with me kept bringing me turnips tea cakes halfway through the uh, headliner set that was a nice little treat on my, on my flight case <laughs> so yeah it's, you know, and then, then of course it's sort of every, getting everyone out again so it's all whoop you know so yeah and then about you know two in the morning then we all just toddle off back to the hotel have some very ill-advised beers when we really should be asleep My name is Bernard, 2001. You might recognise me from my collaborations with Radiohead and Stephen Hawking. I actually did a lot of his heavy lifting for him. Anyway, I'm here to tell you about Best Days Vintage. If you like sustainable vintage fashion, feel-good prints and positive well-being, then they're the guys for you. Visit them at 40 Old Lane, Colchester, or online at bestdaysvintage.co.uk. Peace out, Mother Crushers. Uh, and then uh, do it all again the next day, someday. So, are you like 
you say for example you've got a big band in and they're doing three nights somewhere are you up yeah. are you up bright and early the next day as well like, are you literally in there no, at six no that that is a recipe for absolute disaster when you've yeah. got a band that's loaded in and then we don't have to load out that night we just turn it we call it a front, you know turn it off everything's turned off we all leave we go straight to the bar because no one's loading in at six o'clock the next morning we all get far too drunk um and then usually you're in about nine but that, and it's a painful day yeah uh, yeah, no, that's not too bad. Particularly if you're loading out, because then you're still at it at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So it can be quite tough. When you, what you want is your Ed Sheeran's, where he does four shows. Then you, you can really like you know calmly go to dinner one night, and then you know it's mm. great. He's got a guitar. That's it. What was your uncle? Oh, and a loop pedal. Yeah, it just goes in a little box. That's it done. Yeah. <laughs> Off it pops, Sheeran. So. Zach, what about if it's a gig that you haven't organised and you go to it? Are you able to enjoy that, or do you or do you? Sort of look around and go. I'd have done that differently. Uh, what the yeah, hell is going sometimes on? Sometimes I don't even entrance? just think it, Jez. That's the problem. Sometimes <laughs> I actually reorganise cues. <laughs> I can't help myself. I went to V Festival years ago, and the guest list queue. And obviously, I don't pay for tickets because you know we all help each other out. I went to the and the guest list queue was being organised so badly. I just had to get involved. So as I redid it all, it was fine then. Wow. Yeah, sip on someone's toes, piss them off. Everyone that was with me was mortified, but they were very grateful because we got in a lot faster than we would have done. Well, there you go. That's why you're the best in the business. Yeah. <laughs> does it does it take its toll on you mentally? Your job? Um, I think I, I have a. I'm very lucky to be a very resilient person. I think mentally, I I can compartmentalize things pretty easily. And I said this this exhaustion helps because when you, you know sleep is everything, isn't it? It just fixes everything. I I can get. I can get stressed about just if things aren't getting done, you know, and there's a deadline coming. And there's always the night, particularly a camping festival, the night before a camping festival, I won't mm-hmm. sleep because there, you know, I'm, I feel responsible for a huge number of people's lives effectively because I, you know, I, it's been up to me how we build this and how, you know, obviously I've got so many experts telling me what they think about everything, but ultimately it's been my decision on what we did do ultimately with the, where the barrier is, where we put this, where we put that, you know, pinch points, runway systems. And I do just feel the weight of that responsibility, but then I get up and do it the next day and it's all fine. Has it, has it ever gone seriously wrong? Um, not seriously, not seriously wrong in the way that things have gone wrong in the past in the music industry. Mm. And my, my boss in particular, he was, um, he was involved in the writing of the first Purple Code, which is our sort of health and safety manual after two people died at Donington. And so, you know, that's, it's never gone that badly wrong. We've had, we've had some close shades with people taking drugs and, you know, refusing to tell us what they do. You know, I had the air ambulance out twice in two days once in, at Wakestock Festival because they were just taking, they were just trying to kill themselves. They'd come to our festivals to try and kill themselves. And, you know, not on purpose, but you know, it, was, yeah. it, was, it was really, that was stressful. You're like, well, you just all just have a beer. You know, it's really stressful just knowing that people are doing things, but you've got to watch out for them all, mm. all the time. Um, I, we've had, you know, we've had, the weather has been, I think, our biggest problem. We've had people having lilo races across a lake, which wasn't there when we put the campsite in, you know, things like that. Yeah. Not, no, no, but they've all been ones where you can all laugh about it two days later. Covered head to foot in mud. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that guy nearly died. Yeah. 
just like to yeah. make it clear. Well, you know, we've, had those, we've had moments though where we, you know, with one kid, we found him completely unresponsive on a path. Turned out he'd had an aneurysm, but we had a full scale hospital on site, so we, you know, he got sorted. And, and he would have, if he'd been at home, he'd have died because okay. there was nobody. His mom would have come in the bedroom the next day, and he wouldn't have been there anymore. But that's because we spotted him quickly, yeah. and he was in the hospital within ten minutes. Wow. Yeah. What's the um, what's the best event that you put on? Would you say, or the thing you're most proud of about? Um, I've got. Can I have two? How long yeah, have you got? it's not this or that. <laughs> I'll talk fast. Uh, so the first one was the Sonosphere Festival in 2009 at Nebworth Park. So that was the first festival I managed that I ran. Um, and Metallica were headlining, and I adored Metallica when I was sort of 15, 16 years old. So standing in the pit with them playing but and I toured them a couple of times by then but you know this was a big deal massive great stage and having them playing behind me and watching this audience having the time of their life that was pretty cool um and then it'll be it was the end of the like the last edge year in tour where we went to Ipswich for four nights where I saw you on the train Jess that was fun and uh yeah and just like doing something that, you know it was the biggest tour the world had ever seen so finishing it in his hometown of the last night of the tour it was that felt like I knew, I knew that was gonna be my last show probably as well that I would personally run because I knew I was stepping away from that role so that was pretty cool first and last really I suppose we had um we had Bessie Bessie Turner on um and she played with Ed and in Ipswich didn't she she was our yeah. second guest. Gigs, yeah. yeah, I think I forget we uh, one of the one of the Ipswich gigs, and she yeah she was full of beans about it. Yeah, and that was a hard gig because it, it was the daftest park to put a concert that size in ever. But we did it. I mean, for a while we kept thinking this isn't going to work, but we made it happen, and it was brilliant. So four times we made it happen. <laughs> good old boy, <laughs> he. He got hand it to him. He's good at that. Okay. So let, shall we focus on the, the music industry in the last year and like what? How much of a challenge has it been? What have you been doing in the last year? How have you mm. coped mentally with gigs not being on? Yeah, well, it's, it's 15 months now, really. Yeah. It's 14 months. So our last show was oh, it was a controversial one, actually, on the 16th of March last year. It was the Stereophonics at Cardiff Arena, so that was all over the newspapers. Oh, um, yeah. So there was a very hit and miss whether that one was going to go ahead, but you know, the decision was made to, to go for it in the end. Uh, yeah, since then, we've, we've had zero and we have spent a bit of time investigating whether we should do things like drive-ins and all that sort of stuff but it just all seemed like it was too risky we you know we we've been we've been like you actually we've expanded a little bit as well we've um we've had some uh we've made some to uh you know We've started a new company in Ireland doing promoting. We've taken on some new staff, things like that, because we, we wanted to be bold about it. You know, we could sit there and just hide and hope it was all going to end, but, or, or we could be in a really great position when we came out of it. We've we've made some really good decisions business-wise, which means we've still got pretty much everyone in the team as well, which has been great. Was... But they're mainly just rescheduling the same bloody concerts over, over, and, over. and over and over. There's a point that we have a, we have a meeting every Tuesday afternoon that everybody's on, and we've been doing it on Zoom now for six. Today was the sixtieth week we've done that because I keep a little tally of that out of interest. And um, you know, the, the, somebody will say a band's name, we all just laugh because we've been saying that band's name now for so long. It's ridiculous, you know. It is. It's been. It's been really tough on 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 everyone. Really, I think everyone that's had to keep because finding dates isn't easy. Every single promoter in the country is trying to find the same dates in the same venues. Yeah, we're basically going to try and squeeze three years worth of gigs into next year. I think. <laughs> Did, you said um, earlier that you started up a new company in Ireland. Is that to do with the Brexit situation? 
like having no, to kind of improvise? No, nothing to do that whatsoever. It was okay. just there were some promoters who were thinking of going alone and talked to us and said, do you want to get involved? And we said, sounds like a lovely idea. So that's happened. And we've also we've taken on, um, yeah, one brand new promoter started with us two weeks ago. And I can't else. We've, I just feel like we've done loads, but I can't think what it is right now because it's been a year. Yeah. But yeah, a lot, yeah, a lot of the time, people, you know, we, we've had... We've had some, you know, financial jiggery poker to do. I've spent so much time writing lists of people and how much they earn and whether we can do this, that and the other. But then the furlough thing came, which just, you know, I just weeped when that got announced because suddenly all these plans we thought we were going to have to carry out, we didn't. So it was, it was a real relief. So yeah. Rishi was in my good books for a good 10 to 12 days, I reckon, that time. <laughs> Does it feel like the end's in sight, though, No. Uh it's really, you know, I, I am generally an optimist in life, but this has beaten that out of me a little <laughs> bit because every time I thought maybe we're getting, you know, because we all thought it was like, what, three months? Yeah. And it clearly wasn't. And I, I am pessimistic about whether the 21st of June will mean we can do festivals. Interesting. And I know that a lot of people are just going for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But... You know, because we all know they can sell tickets. Selling tickets is not a problem at the moment. Everybody's dying to go to one, but you know that's not that's not doesn't mean they're going to happen, does it? Mm. So, and I think I just feel that it's going to be too big a step for them to go for it. This is what you said, Zach, on the twenty second of May, twenty twenty. This is just the end of it. So, in short, whilst I'm optimistic long term, I'm pretty pessimistic in the short term. I'm worried that some of the more unique events won't survive because they were the ones living hand-to-mouth anyway. New festivals will pop up, though, as they always do. It will take some time for this to happen. All we can hope is that people choose to spend the money with us again and as soon as possible. You're the best, Steve. Basically, we, you know, we what we have is it's not like we need to rebuild this industry. We just need day one to happen, and yeah. we are just everyone's chomping to go. The the whole yeah. thing's there, ready. It's you know, it's, it's yeah, it's just you know, we don't we don't have it's not like the airline industry. Maybe yeah. we need to start getting people to book. We've got the ticket, sold the tickets. We just can't use the bloody money until someone yeah. actually puts a show on. You know, it's just this money just gets being moved. And sitting there, in, and I said, but you know, we've got something like five hundred shows on sale at the moment. But it's, that is ridiculous. I think the problem, the thing is, is that the music industry itself was was you know has always been has been so healthy, and the live event you know the live event industry was yeah. really healthy, and it was really vibrant and experience based kind of industry, like the people experience based kind of entertainment, and so. It's not that the it's not like the British High Street, which has been suffering before that anyway. This yeah. is a vibrant industry which has been knocked for six because of this virus. Yeah. And like you say, it's like it's just waiting to pull the trigger. And the good Dawn. thing is that one, you know, one you know, there's always positives about stuff, but we we know now how vibrant we were because you know, my boss has been, you know, he's been amazing, he's been a total legend, like putting together this organization called Live, like this it's live. Uh, industry venues and entertainment work. I can't remember what he stood for. But it's the word life. Um, and that has paid for economists to actually work out what we did bring in. And it's been, you know, it's kind of an umbrella agency now for musicians and venues and promoters and agents and, and record, record labels. And no, I can't remember. Um, yeah, so now we're going to be, and we're going to be able to carry on doing that going forward. Now we've actually got this, these people that can lobby government for us because I think we were just scrabbling around a bit, all little independent companies, mm-hmm. not quite sure what to do next. Yeah. 
Well, I think that's part of the battle, right? It's like actually being able to find some sort of proof or evidence of what it was bringing in to kind of help to push the yeah. government into kind of like making this, a decision. It'll be an annual thing now. We'll do this every year. We'll find out exactly what's, you know, how the industry's growing and that yeah. should be useful. And I think that's really important. I know it's not very rock and roll, but I think as an industry and the business behind it, it's really important because mm. that it's, it's a way to kind of tell these, tell these like lawmakers and decision makers, as it were, that this is an industry worth protecting, worth looking after. Yeah. And I do feel sometimes well, we, that it's we have been... To, sorry, Steve, we have to bring up when the whole Brexit thing got talked about because the fishing industry is being protected, but it's it's <clears> this big compared to the size of what we were being thrown under a bus because we still don't quite know how it's going to work. Now, once we've got over the pandemic, we've got to get over the fact that touring is going to be unlike it ever was before and even just getting your kit delivered to Germany is now you know almost impossible. Yeah. God, there's yeah, still there's plenty anything. of challenges to come ahead but yep. it must have been heartening to see the, the gig in Liverpool at the was that the weekend? a little rave yeah it's on Sunday yeah oh Blossoms it oh, was yeah. you know because that was that was part that came out of a fight on our side because originally there was no live music event and so we proper you know lobbied about that and within a couple of days it had been added which was great news um and yeah and everyone you know it's quite it's quite emotional the people that that went to it that were sending me texts and that and they they're not you know they're not most overly emotional people they're saying actually this makes me want to weep just standing here watching kids jumping around at the front of the stage and then it is it, it's, it's been you know even where the audience is concerned obviously the audience have to think about what they're doing but you know as an industry we we're all we're really quite close as people and we've just not seen each other now for suit to suit for two summers because normally we live with each other for the whole of the summer or on tour you know you think about your tours that go around the world for three years they, they're not near each other anymore there's like 50 blown people over it so i think that's been a real downside to so them all just turning up to Liverpool, even though i couldn't get there I was watching pictures and all like Know, hugging, uh, you know, <laughs> to seeing each other and, and having a beer and that, and it's just been such a relief. What did what uh, measures were put in place then? Were they doing those rapid flow tests at the beginning of it, or did you? Yeah, they, they had to do. A, yeah, you had to turn up with um, your net. You had to do one the day before, which is linked then to your ticket. So your ticket only got validated once because those two things were connected. There were a few issues with that apparently, but most of them worked. So once you'd had your negative test the day before, your ticket became valid, and you could then come in. But once you were actually through the gate no social distancing no mask this you weren't you weren't stopped from doing it but you were told there was no requirement to do it and from what i saw and from the report i got from my colleague um, not a single person wore a mask they all took them off because i thought there might be some that might just hold back a little bit you know but nope straight off everyone behaved just as they always would and that's good to hear. Yeah. Although, it is, it's great, it's great to know spike. that that's what they will go back to because there's yeah. a lot of people saying maybe they won't want to go back to festivals. Maybe they won't, you know, I'm like, I think you're fine, they do. Yeah, yeah. they definitely do. <laughs> well, it's the same. They had the, um, Sadly, geekly, uh, the snooker yesterday, and that was sold out the Crucible Theatre. <laughs> sure. 980 people. So uh-huh. that's the first major sporting event to have a capacity crowd at it since the. Yeah, finals. and then Wembley's got one coming up, hasn't it? Yeah. And I think they did. I telling maybe you're right. It was just a crucible that was they built up, didn't they, over the tournament? Yeah, and yeah, they had for the final. They had a capacity crowd for the last day. Yeah. My my feeling is that they'll, they'll they'll maybe let theatres and places like that open to capacity, but I think they'll pop, they'll stop short to anything over sort of twenty twenty five thousand people. You know, I thought the news this weekend was all about whether the you know if Wembley Stadium emptied out ninety thousand people, how would they get home? Because yeah. the transport's all been reduced down so I think that's all going to have an impact 
So I'm not not terrible. I don't. You know, we've cancelled everything. We haven't got a thing in the calendar now for this summer. It's all gone. Really. So um, we, you know, we had to spend the money in February, March. You yeah. just couldn't have any confidence it was going to take place. And it just seemed it didn't seem business sense to spend millions of pounds and that you knowing you could just be pouring it down the drain. Well, because I know Le- Reading and Leeds Festival have like gone for it, haven't they? Which I yeah, but they're, that's Live Nation. They're a massive, global, very wealthy company, and you know maybe we care about our. 43 people more than they care about their 4,000 million, you know, who knows? On that bombshell, I want to move on, Zach, and I want to play um, a game, a regular feature that we like to call Band for Life. Jez, could you explain to the good people um, how this works? The rules, of course I can. Uh, I mean, you'll all know, but they might be the odd, the odd newbie. So we get our guests to pick two bands or artists, one of which they can listen to for the rest of time, never get bored, enjoy the oeuvre of that uh, act, <laughs> and the other they would ban for life, they would erase them from existence, just their music. It would cease to exist, but mm. their bands themselves would still be alive and their families would not be mourning. No, it's but just they wouldn't music. be able to listen to music. Would they okay. still be as wealthy as they would have been otherwise? Mm, no, their music never existed. So they're, no. they're not just be, like, become, okay. become window cleaners or plumber. Yeah. Yeah, um, I can't take responsibility for that. We, yeah. we know sometimes that people actually working in the industry find this one a bit tough because they don't like to bad mouth. Oh, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> okay, excellent. <laughs> So we would like to, we would like you to give us the two bands or artists, and we'll have a guess and see if see how well we know you. Okay. Crack on. No, you've got a guess, haven't you? First. Oh no, no, you no, tell no, you tell us the two, and then we'll see if we know which one is which. Oh, that's going to be too easy. It's not embrace, is it? Yeah, of course it is. So yeah, <laughs> embrace and the Stone Roses. Ooh, Stone Roses. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we obviously well, we, yeah. know. We know you're a close friend and lover, no, <laughs> lover <laughs> of Embrace's music. <laughs> so that's your band for life. But you'd ban the Stone Roses. Wow. Yeah. I mean, let me tell you why I'd keep Embrace first. Yeah. Probably some people would be sniffy about that. Um, so yes, Embrace was how I met you guys in the first place, and they, you know, there's there's not many bands that I have loved so much that even I've, though I've never done a single show professionally before I have done since that I ended up getting to know them and their families and then finding my Bezzy and all that sort of stuff so uh, they've just got a song for every single mood you could possibly be in and there was a whole album that Love is a Basic Need I couldn't listen to it when they released it because I was going through a really shit personal time and I put it on once and thought oh gee that's too much out so I had to wait about a year before I could play it but you know I think you know, they've, got all the, they've got the rock stuff they've got, and there's so few songs I hate out of their massive catalogue so yeah I think that I'll be happy to listen to them for the rest of my life but the Stone Roses so now I knew this was going to be controversial so I believe very firmly that if you did not grow up at the time of Stone Rose and releasing music, you would not like them because Ooh. they're terrible. 
and it's all nostalgia. It's all about Ooh, being in the country at that time and there being a shift in the musical direction. But I think if you just listened to them cold and you heard that, I mean, just quite frankly, awful noise that they make, um, you wouldn't want to do it again. Are you talking, is this live performance or do you, do you not like the records either? Don't, the She Bangs a Drum, I think, has got something going for it. I quite like that one. The rest of them just annoy me. And live, live is just, you just can't, you, nobody should go through that. <laughs> yeah. nobody. He's, not, he's not the world's greatest singer. No, but I've seen him do solo stuff and he's been no, he, good. He always defenders. Uh... Yeah. I enjoy his solo work and I've seen him two, I'm not a massive, massive fan, but I've seen him two or three times and... I've never really felt like he's like catwailing or anything. I've always felt like he's like been holding it together. He's not really catwailing. Well, maybe you've got him on the good days. I've sat in a car park at B Festival, not sorry, in the campsite, just wincing through the whole thing. I think a lot of the time, though, they, they, because they are a nostalgia led band, it's mm. about a time and a place and your mates. You're with your mates watching him live, so mm. you, they can get away with all sorts live, can't you? I think you forgive people a lot live. Yeah. But, but because I don't forgive him, I don't have any. Positive feelings about him. I'm quite happy just to hear him go. Well, I mean, he's got some good for him. Well done having a career. Yeah, that's true. He's, yeah, he's <laughs> he's let himself down, hasn't he? On Twitter recently, I think he's an Oh yeah, he's flat earthing out there, isn't he? Yeah, yeah basically, he's chemtrailing. Yeah, I agree. Though I think they are they're a very special band for people who were a teenager in like 1989. Exactly. See, I lived in Cyprus while that was all happening, so yeah. I literally came into the country cold. I like a few tunes, but I, they don't—they're not special. To the me. kids, like, some of the kids like them. The kids that come in here—they've. You know, I remember I think one, they, one of our girls, Amber. She, yeah, she was a. Big they fan. appeal to that sort of wannabe northerner, I think, down here. That mm. they like Oasis, they like the Stone Roses, they want that Manchester attitude, but they're from—they're from you know, <laughs> fingering home. <laughs> so they haven't got it, so they listen to the Stone Roses. <laughs> That's my theory. Oh, that's good. I like it when people choose controversial ones because there'll be people who adore the Stone Roses. Mm. Yeah, and, and, and there are. You know, my ex-husband he would have died for them. I'm sure of it. Mm, yeah. And that's you know, it was one of, one of the most fun rows we used to regularly have. Yeah, that's probably part of the reason you chose them. I imagine. <laughs> uh, Zach, what are we no, talking about? I hate about? them before I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about. He doesn't listen to this. I don't. Yeah, don't worry. I'm sure he Say whatever you like. Uh, do you have any other good celebrity anecdotes from your years of working in the music industry that you can, sh- you know, nothing to that's going to affect your uh, well, yeah, I relationships? Mean, um, but you must have some good celebrity stories. You're a, you're a, you're a keen Ed Sheeran fan, aren't you? You're, you're through Ed Sheeran through and through as yeah, a person. And I, I, yeah, and I absolutely wasn't. He was not my thing. You know, it never really grabbed me when it was on the radio. I didn't. I, I went. I went on. Uh, I did seven arena shows alongside somebody else who was already doing them, just so I could get to know the team because we were going into stadiums next, and that's where where I pick it up. Um, and within three shows, I was such a fan because he's really bloody good. Just watching this one individual do they you know get the whole audience on their feet in like an arena it's it's quite astonishing and then watching him doing that in a football stadium was you know he had everybody at Wembley right up on and he's the only person on that stage there's nobody else there and um, and also he's just he's just the nicest person you know he's exactly how he seems and having worked with and tried to avoid many artists over the years that isn't actually that common so seeing somebody who, who literally knows you know he knows everybody in his team of course but not, not all artists do but he also knew who I was and you know I I walked into a 
I was in Australia um, going down to help them to watch them put the stage up because it was coming to us in a few months' time. I know I have the worst life, don't I? Yeah. And, um, and you know, he walked in and he recognised me. I was totally out of context. You think how many people he must meet in a yeah. day, let alone over a year. And, you know, it was me coming over and said hello and asked me how I was doing in Australia. You know, so he's just really good at all. He remembers people. He cares about them. He asks questions. He's a, he's a decent bloke who's done very well for himself and he stayed he stayed the same throughout i mean you know his shoes have got fancier as the years have gone on but <laughs> but no he's a he's a good guy the dynamic of being a solo artist like that like because he hasn't he's not with his bandmate he hasn't got a band with him has he at all but he takes he takes his he's got a collection a selection of friends who are all really talented in various things and they do you know one of them does the videographer stuff one of them photos a photograph oh, one of them drives him yeah. and so he's kind of he's staying they, they stay with him so he's got like a little family of his friends they're his, they're yeah, his band nice. Yeah. yeah. Good, because I worry about him just on his own. <laughs> Getting bullied. Do you think he's bullied? Yeah, a little bit. Just, just dandy. I mean, he's married now with a little baby and everything, so... Oh, he's fine. Yeah. You shouldn't worry about him. He's doing it. fine. Mm. Okay, and he's lovely, obviously. So who's the biggest shit you've worked with? <laughs> this, this is one... We have this conversation when you're on tour and you get together with the caterers you've not seen yeah. for a couple of years and the security you've not seen. And we end up having these conversations. And there was one night where it was, it was a Chili Peppers show in the in-between. We're sat at 10, 12 o'clock the next morning waiting for the band to come in. Um, and we're all just sat on the floor and everyone's doing that. Who's the worst one you've worked with? Bit? And I'm not going to tell you who the worst. I'm no. not going to tell you on this who it is. I mean, you can have a guess if you want and I'm not. Um, <laughs> but actually, you don't know everyone I've worked with, I suppose. Um, but you can probably just guess, to be fair. Um, uh, and and then we just switched the conversation. Said, like, actually, who are the nicest people? What are the nicest things people have done? And that was a, such a nice conversation because then we all talked about how brilliant Brian Adams was and how all these you know different people. Donny Osman, oh my god, I love Donny Osman <laughs> so much. I've toured with him twice. It's some of the best times I've had. He's a real sweetheart. We're all there hiding booze because you know because he's Mormon, so we're being very respectful of the fact that they don't drink. So we're putting like booze in bags on the buses when we set off to the next venue so we have a couple of beers before you go to bed and we're doing it in black bin liners so we don't you know sneaking it around putting the booze on and the last night the last tour he come around with a box and gave us all like bottles of whiskey and bottles of wine to say thank you for doing this show we we're like we've been hiding booze from you for three years he's gone i don't know why i don't drink it i'm not saying you can't and we're like oh, oh donny what a guy what a guy i always think donny osman and ed Sheeran are the same person just a few decades apart oh Oh. Lovely thought. Yeah, on that bombshell. <laughs> so, um, to finish off the podcast, because I've got to go home after my dinner, um, sure. you gave us a song, Zach, right? Um, for our yes. reg- And this is our regular feature that we like to call, Oh, that lyrics sound weird when you read them out. <laughs> Live. That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Of course you do. Uh, we are, are going to record a, um, a yeah, theme tune for it. We're going to do a proper jingle version, but as it stands, I mean, I, I enjoy your delivery of it so much that. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's quite fun. I listened to you in the Cardi B one the other day and I was howling in the car. That was really making me laugh. Oh. So, what, what song have you chosen and why? Well, I have chosen a song by a band that once played a festival that I was working at. And as I was walking toward the stage, I was thinking, what is it that they are saying? And I couldn't tell because it's all very rah, 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 rah. Yeah. Uh, it was a very, very metal um, festival. And as I walked past and went to my office, I, I Googled it uh, to see what the um, what the lyrics were. And I wish I hadn't. <laughs> I can't remember actually which one I sent you because I was looking at a few to work out which one to send you. You have to remind me of the, same, the name of the song. It's one of the well, maggots in it, isn't it? Yep. It's the masterpiece, <laughs> A Skull Full of Maggots. It's poetry. Yep. By, by Cannibal Corpse. Lovely stuff. 
Brilliant. A bit of a coincidence, actually, because I was reading these to my son before he went to bed last night. <laughs> And these are, I can tell you this, these are, and I probably won't get slated from work, these are the worst band I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh, okay, well. Listen, relax, and maybe light a candle for <laughs> listening to A Skull Full of Maggots. It's similar to A Head Full of Dreams by Colton <laughs> Lying there cold, hmm. after a torturous death. Yeah. Your life ended fast, you took your last breath. Dead... In a grave, your final place. The maggots infest your disfigured face. Pus through your veins takes the place of blood. Mm. Decay sets in, bones begin to crack. Mm -hmm. Thrown six feet down, left to rot. Brains oozing black down the side of your broken neck. Sounds like me after a Friday night. (laughs) Skull full of maggots. They enter your tomb. Maggots beginning to feast. Maggots. Crawling on you, maggots. Ooh. Now they eat you, Ooh. maggots. <laughs> Rotting maggots, maggots infesting your corpse, maggots. Parasites of the dead, maggots. Now dwell in your head. There you go. And then you get the uh, the chorus again. Yeah, like, it kind of carries on in that vein, doesn't yeah. it? It's is, it catchy? Is, it, is it catchy? Is yeah, it a catchy chorus? The actual song. We should do a cover of it. <laughs> maggots. Well, like yeah. a Mike Flowers Pops version. Yeah, it'd be in the style of Keen. Like, <laughs> <laughs> of course, I'm sorry. Literally everything we do. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, Zach, thank you so much for giving your time to talk to us. Oh, you're very welcome. I feel like I was very serious for a lot of it, but... No, it's, it's very interesting, yeah. is what you were. Mm. Jez is gagging to get Thanks. the gossip out of that. Who's the best person you work with? <laughs> Tell us it's a shit. <laughs> yeah, I know it's an obvious question, but I mean, I think that's what the people want to know. Yeah. But I think people will enjoy to know that we'll, Ed Sheeran's we'll, actually nice. We'll try and have a guest next week. Yeah, yeah. Off air, we'll find out who yeah. the shit is, and then we'll tell you next week. Well, maybe I should give you a, like a, a three, and you can pick the one that you think it's going to be. Oh, yeah. Hang on, let me just think. Okay. You do your little bit. Uh, okay. Uh, well, all right, so <laughs> you're just total silence while she's counted to three. Yeah, so your little bits are literally just staring at me. Then, yeah. Uh, we, don't, we don't really have any little bits. Okay, so to finish podcast, <laughs> I'm going to say thanks, everyone, for listening to the Foud Rockstar Club podcast. Podcast that talks about the music, the music, <laughs> the band, the music, music, um, for mental health and fashion. And to finish the podcast, Zach's going to give us three names, and we're going to guess. One of them is a shit. And then I'm going to. And turn I'm not going to tell you which what the answer yeah. is, though. So no, you, I'm you going to turn it off. We're going to both have a guess. Okay, right. We'll so the choices podcast. are Ricky Martin. Remember Ricky Martin? Like Two Bangs, yeah. Madonna. And Barry Gibb. Which of those three people were the worst person that I've ever had to work with? Oh, okay. Come on, Jess. Finish the podcast. Oh, I think Barry Gibb wouldn't be in there unless he was a real shit. <laughs> That's a random one to put in there. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought. But, the Gibbo. Oh, we're both going to say Gibb. So thank you very much for listening, and Barry Gibb, you're a shit. <laughs>